I have a word of encouragement for us today to dream again. And I just want to unpack a few thoughts as well from Philippians to help us do this. And in particular from Philippians chapter 1. You know, it really is time for us to dream again. You know, what are the good things that could be ahead of you? What could you imagine that God has got in your future that is going to be good? What are you believing for? You know, I really think the Holy Spirit wants to stir us up for the new things that he has for us. God wants us to dream again. You know, back in uh, 1995, Richard and I, I, I believe you heard Richard this morning possibly, which was fantastic. Um, he's my husband and we were living in North Queensland with two small children and we had a dream to plant a church. We really felt God put this on our hearts so we were heading to the Sunshine Coast. But some things happened and we ended up back in Melbourne. That's another whole story which I won't get into today. But our dream at that point was put on hold. And we settled into life expecting our dream would happen along the way somehow, but it didn't. We, we looked at each other about three years later and we said to each other, we're stuck. We've forgotten our dream. We, and we just knew that we had to stir it up. We had to rally our faith and we had to believe that it was possible for this dream to happen. And as we started to dream again and imagine, could we plant this church? Could God make it happen? And we were asking for God's help and for him to lead us and guide us. It was amazing how quickly things started to move. We were shocked how before we knew it, we were part of a team who was actively planting a church in Melbourne. And not long after that, we actually planted Lifehouse Church in 2002. But we had to stir up the dream. We had to get ourselves unstuck to rally our faith and dream again. You know, if you're living in Melbourne or Victoria right now, this season of lockdown has many of us feeling stuck and it can be really difficult to imagine the potential of the future. But God says, dream again. I want you to let him stir up hope and possibility in your heart and in your mind. The scripture that has really been right across this lockdown season for me, has had flavour for me, has been Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And God gave me this scripture on March 23rd, the first day we went into lockdown. And it says this, it says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Friends, God is making a way. He has wonderful plans for us. He has opportunities that we could not imagine. You know, as you're listening today, wherever you are, maybe there's things going on in your relationships and you're believing that there could be a better way. You've got hope for, for it to look different, for it to be restored or, or for that relationship to be healthier than ever before. You know, maybe you need to stir up the dream to be able to conceive, to have children, to have that family you've been imagining. And God's saying, stir up the dream, believe again. Maybe it's a shift in a career. Maybe it's learning new skills. Maybe for the singles out there, it's finding a life partner. You know, it can be hard to dream when all we can see is the impossible. When we can't imagine how, it can be really difficult. And this is the picture that Ezekiel um, saw in a vision. God gave Ezekiel this picture 
of really dry bones, this whole valley full of dry bones. And if you go to the Hebrew of dry bones, it actually means really dead for a really, really long time. No, that's not the Hebrew, but that's the picture we get, that it is just so dead, that the dream is finished, that there is no hope. It is done. History is written. It's been defined. There's nowhere you can go from here. And we find this in Ezekiel chapter 37. But God promises his people. He says from this picture, he says, I'm going to give you a new heart, a new spirit, and that God would stir up within them the dream and the hope that he has for them. And that's for us today. God wants to stir us up in us a new dream, fresh hope. God looks at um, this picture with Ezekiel and he says to Ezekiel, what do you see? Can they live? Really, God's asking Ezekiel, do you have any hope? Do you see potential? Is there possibility? Can Ezekiel dream? And, you know, will we do that? Will we look past our reality and believe for a miracle? Believe that there's opportunity. Believe for the potential. God tells Ezekiel, speak life into these bones. Imagine, prophesy, declare what could be. And so then in in verses 5 and 6, Ezekiel does what the Lord says. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and I will and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. God empowers Ezekiel to speak life into what looks dead. And I believe this is a word of encouragement for you today, for me today, for each of us as we listen to this. God is encouraging us to dream again. God can bring to life. God can bring change. He can turn things around people and we can look again and speak life into what we thought had no hope. I love this picture because it was a suddenly picture. The bones become an army in such in, in this very, very quick transformation. And I think God has a quick shift for us as well. You know, we were talking about our church in Poland and we've visited Poland so many times. I remember landing in Warsaw and it was just as the winter was coming to an end and as we landed and, and started to drive through the city, it was grey. I've never seen anything so grey. Every tree was grey, the ground was grey, the, the snow was a bit sort of mushy and dirty looking. It was just grey. And as we left Warsaw 10 days later, after doing travelling around the, um, the nation, we came back through Warsaw to fly home and it was full of colour. It was every tree had buds on it and, and some, the leaves were growing, the grass was fresh. So suddenly spring had arrived and it was this dramatic shift. And God can do that in our situation. God can bring the suddenly and turn things around. You know, about 10 years ago, uh, Richard and I had this dream to build a new home and it was really an adventure of faith when we started. We, we imagined this beautiful home and, and we went to an auction. We bought this block. It was, it was all very scary. And then as we went on this journey to build this house, we just hit roadblock after roadblock. Everything 
everything went wrong. The tenant in the house, trying to bulldoze the house, get finance from the bank, pick a house that we could build. At every turn, it was just impossible. With a global financial crisis hitting in the middle of that, it was just a disaster. So in the end, we gave up. We decided this was just not going to happen. We had to let our dream die. And then one day over lunch in a Chinese restaurant in the city, a guest preacher who was with us um, was, was starting to ask us questions about what was happening. And we described to him these dry bones of our dream. And we were a bit depressed and disappointed. And I can just picture us now as he was watching us. We must have looked like the saddest little creatures telling this story. And he just said, come on, guys, I believe you can, you can do this. I believe God can make a way. Come on. So between Entree and Maine, he jumps up, he gets on the phone, rings somebody. He puts me on the phone. By dessert, I'm sending off documents to this person. By, by the afternoon, we've had phone conversations. Within a week, things have shifted. This dream is alive and we are on the way to building this house. I'm not joking. It was so miraculous how quickly this turned upside down, but someone had to rally our faith. Someone had to stir us up to dream again. And today, if you're on the other end of this this radio listening, if you're hearing these words, can I encourage you, stir up the dreams within you because God can do a suddenly. You know, the picture that Ezekiel saw at the other end of this vision as the bones were raised to life and and, and flesh was put back on them, ahead of him was this strong, ready, large army full of capacity, full of life. So if you're feeling discouraged right now, God can breathe life and raise you up full of everything you need to go forward. God can bring life into dead places. God wants us to thrive and flourish. He wants us to grow, but we have to dream. We have to have the eyes to see what could be ahead of us. So I believe Philippians, the book of Philippians in the New Testament can give us some really practical keys to dreaming again in an environment that is restricted and difficult. Philippians is a book of encouragement. It's, it's like this really beautiful, kind, loving letter of friendship and love. So I want to take a, just a moment to unpack a few things. But first of all, I want to understand the church itself in Philippi. If we go back to the book of Acts in chapter 16, we see that um, Paul, he's been traveling and he finds himself in Philippi about 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. So there he is in this, um, this hub, this Roman colony. It, it's set in the crossroads of um, like busy trade roads. So it's, it's an economic hub. It's got a Roman identity and it's very proud of that identity. But there is some Jews in this, in this city and they actually meet by the river. There's no synagogue. There's no actual building for them to gather in. But these people who have a shared faith meet together by the river. So Paul, who at this point is, is called to preach to the Jewish people, God's promised people at the time, Paul goes to the river to find these people. And he preaches the gospel of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus to them, their Messiah, their hope. And Lydia is saved. Her and her family are baptised. And this is the start of this church. But this church is actually made up of 
diverse people from um, all different nationalities, people from different um, positions in society, if you want to put it like that, people have different social perspectives. And Acts chapter 16 tells us the story of three different individuals who start, who become the start of the Philippian church. The first one is Lydia, as I mentioned, and she's a wealthy Greek um, merchant woman. She's a successful foreigner in this city. She's an influential woman. The next person we meet is an Asiatic slave girl. Now, she's the lowest level of society and essentially is treated as really just a human tool. And this is the girl that Paul delivers of a demon because she was fortune-telling and and, and annoying him, so he delivers her. And this is one of the characters that we see in the start of this church. And then as he's thrown into prison, we meet another character, and that is the... um, the um, jail, the jailer, the man who looks after the jailer, the jail. And he's a middle-class Roman. He's a worker. He's probably happy with the opportunities that Rome has given him. And all these people are set amidst a hostile Roman world or environment. So this just gives us a bit of a glimpse of the diversity of people and what this church started to look like in the early days. And then about 12 years after this, Church, after the church is established, Paul sends them a letter and this is the letter that we have today in the New Testament. It tells us about this group of people who love and care for one another. It tells us that they're unified, that they're growing, that this is a healthy church, a strong church, that despite their, their diversity, even though they're different people from different um, places in life, different cultures, different levels of, of wealth, different roles, and they live in a society that's oppressed and a government that is oppressive to them in their faith as well as in many of their cultures. Despite this, they are thriving in God. And the relationship and the connection that Paul has with them is so obvious as he writes this letter. He loves them. He sees them as his fellow workers. There's a real bond with these people. This letter is full of joy. It is jam-packed with with the joy, with just joy, great joy. And Paul encourages them, despite the struggle, to put on an attitude of joy. And we see this in chapter 1, verse 18. There's, there's, there's this conversation about, um, you know, people are preaching Jesus and some of them are using it to their own advantage and there's trouble, there's disagreement. And Paul goes and Paul says, guys, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter as long as Jesus is being preached. Let's rejoice. We rejoice either way. We rejoice with the good and we rejoice with the bad. He's, he's just got this rejoicing, joyful attitude right through the book. And Paul sends this encouragement actually from prison in Rome. He's, expect, he's awaiting his trial and he's expecting death. What? He's sending all these wonderful things. He's telling them, rejoice, rejoice, be full of joy. Yet he is in prison. Paul chooses to find joy even though his life has limitations around it. And I know that right now our life is full of limitations, that's for sure. But our limitation is not always a bad thing. But a bad attitude and a negative perspective is a limitation. When we can find joy in our present situation, 
then we can dream about the future with the right spirit. You know, I spoke to a lady just last week. She was telling me about the difficult things that are happening in her family. They've had um, some very bad health diagnosis and, and some disability diagnosis, terrible things right across her family, multiple things. Most of us, you know, one bad thing is difficult, but this lady has had many, many things in this last three or four years. And she said to me this week, she goes, I just hope that the way I'm living and my attitude that Jesus is in control can help others to still have faith and see that even in difficulty, we can trust God. And I was just blown away by her attitude of joy that she chose to continue to have this this attitude and perspective that was not limited by her reality and her struggle. You know, but some of us, Things aren't that hard. Things aren't so bad, but we can we still need to find an attitude of joy. I remember when when we first arrived in North Queensland before we came back to Melbourne in, in 1995, Richard and I had got there with just literally a few boxes of belongings and we were so excited and expectant for God to do great things, but we literally had nothing. So we rented this house and the house was empty. We had no furniture. We, we had literally nothing and I would put out my tablecloth on the tiles on my kitchen, on in the kitchen and put the cutlery on it and a plate and I look back now and think I must have been crazy. My neighbour thought I was crazy, that was for sure. But I had an attitude of joy. I would just decided that even though it didn't look fantastic, God was with me and even in that limitation I was going to be full of joy. So you might have big bad things happening, difficult things You might just be feeling a bit discouraged. But Paul is telling us, put on an attitude of joy. We need to speak our joy. What do our words sound like? Is our language stuck? Does it sound like prison, like limitation or containment? Or is our language full of life, full of hope, full of possibility, full of renewal? Ezekiel spoke life into those bones. He declared life. So that's what we need to do. Let's declare life. Let's dream again and start to speak what God could do in our futures. I hope this is encouraging you this morning. I'm I'm getting a little bit excited right here on the as I'm as I'm bringing this word for you. This letter also shows us in Philippians that Paul had a heart for people. In verses 7 and 8 of chapter 1, he says, "You have a special place in my heart." And then he goes on to say, I long for you with tender compassion. You can just see this this closeness he has with these people. And as we dream again, I want to encourage you to think about the people in your world, the ways we can connect, the ways we can reach out and rekindle some of the relationships we have. I think this COVID lockdown season has caused many of us to shrink our lives. And for, and I've heard people saying, you know, I want to keep this on the other side of COVID. I want to keep this simpler life, this smaller life. But let's be careful that we don't leave out the people that, that we need around us, that we don't live so small that we miss out on what God has for us. You know, the city of Philippi had diverse cultures, diverse backgrounds, polit- the political views and passions. I am sure that those people had conflicting views and opinions and that this was all amidst, you know, a heated and oppressive political environment. 
and Paul is writing from prison and I'm sure he could have written from that prison complaining about what was going on, complaining about the Roman government, complaining about the way they were ruling, but he doesn't. He spurs the people on to love one another, to care for one another. And, you know, if you're, if you're from Melbourne, if you're from Victoria, but particularly Melbourne, we are a melting pot of cultures and people. We actually pride ourselves on this. You see the advertisements for Melbourne and, you know, there's so many, cult, there's cultural diversity, there's foods, there's all sorts of things. Yet I find that most of us want those people close to us to think the same way we do. But I, one of the things that COVID has shown us is that not everybody does think the same way that we do. And when we look at the Philippians and we see how they continue to love each other, despite maybe their different views, I think it's very encouraging and challenging. You know, I think we may need to make sure that in this season that our political frustrations and our political views don't damage the relationships that we have with those we love and care about. We need to dream again about our friendships, about socialising and investing in those we love. Dream about building stronger connections, connections that are authentic, learning to listen to one another. Maybe think about the people who have helped you along your journey to grow. You know, maybe they've helped you grow in your faith. Maybe they've helped you grow in your business. Maybe they've helped you grow as a person. They've, they've challenged you and, and mentored you in your character. Who has God put around you? Who are the close connections? Let's celebrate these people. Let's reach out and say thank you to maybe it's been the leaders, a pastor, or, you know, if you're an adult, maybe someone helped invest in your faith when you were a child or a youth person. Let's dream about who these, reconnecting with these people and investing in these relationships. And also, who could we be that for? How could we encourage others? Is someone around you waiting for you to be the person to help them dream again? Maybe you've got relationships that are damaged or struggling. How can you breathe fresh life in them? I think this is such an opportunity as, as for us to do, to take the lesson from Philippians that we can love even though we're not all on the same page all the time. And the final thought I have from chapter 1 of Philippians, as we dream again, is that we focus on Jesus. Paul is so clear about this. In verse 21, he talks about, you know what, whether I live or whether I die, no matter which way it goes, I'm, it's all good. Jesus has got this. Let's, let's be people who dream with Jesus at the centre. You know, so often when I personally think of dry bones, this, this image of dry bones and I rally out my dreams, I get out my journal and I start to dream again, it's easy to think about bigger, better and shinier things. You know, the physical things, the, the great things of life that we love. But Proverbs eleven twenty eight says this, says those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. You know, no matter our physical circumstances, knowing Jesus is our greatest opportunity. Having a relationship with Jesus that our righteous, the righteousness that comes from him, our spirit alive to him, this is actually the greatest thing we can dream about. 
Paul's love and experience of Jesus was so real that he was able to be physically suffering yet have an inner joy. Even though his the 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 physical things, his home, his his well-being, all those things around him were difficult because of Jesus he had joy. And when we when Jesus is our focus, we can dream again. We can dream again about strengthening our gifts and talents, the things he's put in our lives about finding opportunities to use what God has done for us. Maybe it's dreaming about developing your ability to even hear God's voice. Maybe you're wondering, how do I do that? Spending time and investing in inquiring about how to know God. These are great things to dream about. Your spiritual capacity and understanding. Maybe it's, you know, believing that you can be fully alive to God to be dreaming about these things, dreaming about houses and cars and careers and all those things are good as well. They're not bad things, but sometimes we can get so caught up that we stop dreaming about our spirit, about what God wants to bring alive in our hearts. We should write all these dreams down, all the things we're dreaming of for our family, our children, our home and our spirit and the gifts and talents that God has given us. Write them down. What did you think was dead that could come alive again? You know, when Paul wrote this to the Philippians, he was chained to another person under house arrest for 24 hours a day in Rome. Does that sound familiar to us? It does sound a little bit similar to how many of us have felt lately. But Paul's limitation gave him opportunity to fulfill his purpose to spread the gospel. He was thriving. He saw the benefits. He was full of joy. His heart was full of genuine love for those he couldn't see or be with. And he knew no matter the outcome, he could trust Jesus and look to him. I think these are great things for us to glean from in this season of lockdown. You know, I want to close with this scripture from Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. It says this, And I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. You know, God has got a good work going in us. And if you've never received Jesus, maybe you've tuned in today and, and you're not, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You don't even quite know what a Christian is. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to come and, and live in your life, live in your heart. Well, you can do that and he begins a good work in you that that builds you and transforms you into the best version of who you can be. Maybe you are a Christian and you're listening and and you just you know that it's been tough, it's difficult, you've let some dreams go, but I want to encourage you, God is not finished. The work he began in you is being is still is still happening. He's not finished. There is more. But he's saying, come on, stir up your dreams. Stir up your faith. I'm ready. I'm ready to put life in them. I'm ready to carry you forward. Would you dream again? Would you trust me? Would you let me help you thrive beyond the difficulties and the limits? So come on. I want to pray for us as... as um, as I close this message, I want to pray for you that you would dream again. Maybe you've written some things down. I'd encourage you to take the time to do that. But let me just pray for you right now. 
Father, we ask that you would give us the courage to dream again, Lord, that we would see what looks like dry bones as having life, that we would have the courage to prophesy, to speak life and to declare your goodness because we know that you are not finished with us yet. I pray that you would bless every person listening, that you would stir their spirit and encourage them today. In Jesus' name, amen.